Well, folks, we're back. It's a somber Thursday night football because we are joining you with 13 minutes and 20 seconds left in Panthers versus Texans, uh, the game that will uh, forever be known as the Christian McCaffrey hamstring game. Uh, Zach, uh, as a fellow manager of Christian McCaffrey, like I am, good evening to you. And what help do you need tonight? I mean, let's just treat this as a support group for uh, Christian McCaffrey managers across the nation. You know, what should, be, what should we be saying to our brethren and uh, sisterin out there? Uh, yeah. I don't know what it, that word is, but. Yeah, no, you nailed it. Um, no, not, not a pleasant day. I mean, we were, we were already, it was a bit of a somber podcast anyway, just because of who was playing tonight, but uh, it got, yeah. got worse. Uh, yeah. Had, had we started this podcast a little bit earlier in the game, we would have been talking about, you know, what we were excited for. And the only thing really was Christian McCaffrey watching him in prime time on Thursday yep. night. And, yep. uh, now we don't get to do this. We don't get to do that. Um, 14, six, in the fourth now that's that's just it's a it's a crap game it's a crap night it's a crap injury um for McCaffrey so um yeah what do you what do you have to say to the folks who have uh, CMC on on their roster yeah not a lot I mean I think you just kind of hope that it's uh that it's it's a mild hamstring injury I mean you don't certainly don't love it you hope they're just proceeding with caution after last season but it, you know yeah. you, you don't love the the kind of immediate rule out of McCaffrey for the rest of the game I know. in week three so and just like the deluge of notifications from you know sleeper ESPN the athletic Twitter yeah. like all yeah. just you know just rub it in why don't no, you? no it's not it's not great it's not great <laughs> and and unfortunately there's really not a lot of uh at least for me and you know Will you can kind of chime in you know in a second but but, uh, you know, not, not a lot of – certainly in redrafts, not a lot of interest in the Chuba Hubbard-Royce Freeman tandem that, that may be in the backfield for the next, you know, month or so, depending on the severity. I, I think there was a lot of interest in Chuba Hubbard a couple of years ago um, when he was at Oklahoma State. He had a pretty bad junior season, I think it was, and uh, and came out and I think was drafted in the sixth round. And, and he looked okay in the preseason. He looked, you know, he had some good runs. He had some good totals at the end of the game, but it's the preseason. And then in, in this game to this point, I mean, he's averaging like one yard per rush. So, you know, I think in fantasy, he's probably going to be the starting back. You figure there's going to be some sort of timeshare there with Royce Freeman, just because of how seasoned Royce Freeman is. But I don't know that either one of these guys really kind of, fits the bill as a, a necessary waiver ad. I mean, technically, if he's named the starter, he's six rushes, 10 yards right now. You know, you add him just because he's the starter, but, uh, you know, you certainly need to kind of level your expectations for Chuba Hubbard or Royce Freeman, for that matter, in this offense. So um, we, we kind of dealt with a similar thing, albeit to a lesser extent, um, after week one with um, – Elijah Mitchell uh, stepping up uh, in the wake of the Raheem Mostert um, injury. Are you thinking that it should like should people be more aggressive here? It sounds like you're honestly cautioning people to be, you know, uh, to be less aggressive uh, with this pickup uh, with uh, Chuba Hubbard. Even though the Panthers did really turn it over to Mike Davis last season uh, in McCaffrey's absence. Yeah, I think in in dynasty, Chuba is a fine guy to have. I, I don't I have Chuba in a dynasty league that I also have McCaffrey in. I will not be starting him. I don't even know that I'll be activating him off of the taxi squad. Um, oh, okay, in, interesting. In, in redraft, mm -hmm. 
again, I think you, you probably grab him if you have the spot, but I don't think you're going to be seeing the Mike Davis, you know, elite fill-in situation. I, I just don't think Chuba's that good. He was a, you know, a sixth round pick. He had one good college season and, and didn't, and had a really poor showing his last year in college. I, I don't, I just don't see it. I really don't. I think he'll be okay. I, I don't, I wouldn't, I could not imagine starting Chuba Hubbard next week in any redraft league. All right. So if you're in a dynasty league, if you're, um, if you have Hubbard on your roster and somebody throws you a second round pick any year, are you, is that a oh, smash accept? It, it's a smash accept. I wouldn't even think twice about okay. it. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. I mean, this is a guy who, who I think is kind of destined to be kind of just a nice backup. I mean, maybe we'll see in like three years if he, if he comes out and does well, if McCaffrey leaves or something, but I, you know, this year, if you're going to get, Chuba for a few games while McCaffrey's on the on the bench. I absolutely give me a second round pick in any draft. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, again, hopefully it's a it's a minor thing. Um, but yeah, he could be out a month. You know, uh, yeah. at, at this point, McCaffrey sure. could. Yep. Um, you know, I, I tore my hamstring a couple of years back, and I it just it will never feel the same ever again. Never again. And just one hamstring tear will do that to you. But again, you I'm should, not. I'm not an elite athlete. Like, yeah, I was going to uh, say you should. You should maybe call Christian McCaffrey and give him some some advice or some feedback. Or <laughs> don't do what I did. Hey, it's tough out there, you know, for us for us guys that tear our hamstrings. That might be nice <laughs> for him. It might be. All right. Well, uh, let's get into another um, point of pain, at least for me. Uh, on Monday, we, we released a special Monday night football pod, um, based around the Lions and the Packers, you know, duking it out on Monday night football. Uh, the line had opened at 11 and a half, uh, in favor of the Packers. Uh, you graciously let me have another one and a half points. Um, so I took Lions uh, plus 12 and a half, and I think it was an 18-point victory for the Packers this Monday night. Yeah, yeah, I should, I should have given you a few more. I was, I was being coy with the, uh, the one and a half extra there. I could have just kind of threw a few more your way. I mean, that, they, there was no doubt in my mind that was going to be Rodgers coming out pissed off. And, uh, and yeah, so I won that bet uh, by a large margin, uh, which I, I tend to do a lot with Will for those that are hey. listening. It's uh, hey, come on, Will. He also owes another uh, bet that we'll probably get into a little bit uh, later on a different pod. But uh, for this one specifically, it was a beer chug. Uh, I won. Will lost. So he Mm -hmm. is going to be chugging a beer. I am. Yes, I am. Let's uh, let's talk about the game first a little bit. Uh, The main storyline was Aaron Jones. Um, You got to be feeling feeling good about that. It was three receiving touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, it, just an absolute showing. Uh, he, th- this is his ceiling, right? This is this is what he can do for your team. Mm-hmm. I think most notably was that uh, you know, historically the Packers like to deploy two running backs. You know, they have their alpha, which is Aaron Jones, but you also mm-hmm. kind of have, you know, historically again you have Jamal Williams, you have uh, AJ Dillon uh, a bit last year as well. Um, you know, and so what I thought was really interesting was that AJ Dillon really got zero work whatsoever yeah. until the tail end of the game. And so I think yeah. it actually bodes well for Aaron Jones's fantasy prospects this year. Yeah. I saw a lot of trades that were like AJ Dillon for a second rounder this off season in dynasty. So like, I mean, based off two games, albeit you know, this is a small sample size, blah, 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 blah. Of course we all know that. 
Like you got to be feeling a little bit, a little bit nervous about that. If you gave up second round draft capital for AJ Dillon this off season, am I fair about that? Or is that more of a, were those trades more of a play for the future? Um, I think yes to probably both of those questions. I, I think you have to be a little worried uh, about AJ Dillon's value, standalone value this year. I mean, if, if something happens to Aaron Jones, obviously you have a different conversation, but as it stands now, you know, it kind of seems like the Packers may be pivoting a little bit to like a full on alpha backfield with just Aaron Jones getting the lion's share of the work, which fantasy man, uh, fantasy managers have been kind of clamoring for that for years now. So to see what he could do with that level of work workload is, is going to be really interesting. The other piece I will say uh, as far as a future play for dynasty managers, I'm actually fascinated by Kylan Hill. I think there's a potential in a couple of years for Kylan Hill to kind of take the Aaron Jones role and AJ Dillon to just stay in the same role. The kind of the big bruising back, the, the goal line back, the red zone back, but Kylan Hill being kind of the more slashing, quick running back. So I think it's kind of an interesting setup. We'll have to see what happens over the next couple of years, but I certainly would not be buying AJ Dillon right now in, in dynasty formats. So you're thinking that AJ Dillon could be more of a Latavius Murray, you know, albeit uh, he could be the Latavius Murray from the saints with Kamara, or he could be the Latavius Murray that we're seeing now in Baltimore with Tyson Williams and maybe Kylan Hill it has the you know the the Tyson Williams ceiling which you know he would he's I think running back 13 so far through two weeks in in half PPR scoring um or do you think that he could have even let's say 80 percent of Alvin Kamara like what's his what's Hill ceiling here and this is for Aaron Jones no 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 um for uh for Kylan for Kylan Hill, yeah. So, I mean, this is a ways away, obviously. And, and I think there's a, he still obviously has a lot to prove. But he beat out Dexter Williams, which, you know, isn't a, a huge feat in and of itself. Um, he's there, seems to be their primary kick returner now. So I think you fast forward a couple of years, you know, I, I think, sure. I mean, there's a chance that he could kind of take on, you know, again, like sort of what Aaron Jones is doing now. I mean, give him 80% of the touches, 70, 80% of the touches. I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, we'll have to, it's going to be a, a, it's going to be a work in progress. We're going to have to see what happens, you know, the rest of this year. I mean, Kylan Hill did get some run uh, uh, on Monday night. He only had two carries, but still, right. I mean, that's for a rookie drafted in the sixth round. That's, that's impressive. So I personally in dynasty just went out and uh, got Kylan Hill for a fourth round pick in 2022, which I would do that in every league if I could just simply because of the perceived upside. It could wind up being absolutely mm-hmm. nothing, but the opportunity there is worth the fourth round uh, every day. Yeah. I mean, a fourth rounder is is nothing. If you get really anything with upside there, then yeah, I think you kind of have to do it. You know, if, if any sort of guy who I believe you got him in the fourth round in a rookie draft uh, yeah. just recently. So so if, if you're just kind of kicking the can down the road with a fourth rounder for a guy who's at least had his name mentioned, um, I think that's a positive thing. So yeah. I have I have no real problem with that. Yeah. And he was a preseason, you know, he was a star in the preseason, but you know, that, that doesn't really mean much. So we'll, we'll see what happens over the next year or two, but he's a guy that I'm all about putting on the, on the taxi squad and just riding that out until uh, push comes to shove and you have to activate him, but he he could be kind of a surprise in, in green Bay. So we'll see. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, just to, to touch on my lines a little bit, uh, you know, Tyrell Williams is, is headed to the IR uh, with a concussion. Um, so one guy that I'm considering activating from uh, a taxi squad or two is Quintez Cephas. Uh, they really have nobody else to throw to. And when the Lions can actually game plan a little bit, they're, they can be decent. I mean, they outscored the 49ers 23 to 10 in the second half, playing catch up, you know, admittedly. And then they took a 17-14 halftime lead uh, at Lambeau. So uh, when the plan is coming together, they can make some things happen. So maybe Cephas is something that you can uh, at least trust the floor because there's nobody else there except for Hawkinson to catch the ball. Um, but yeah, I don't know uh, if you have any thoughts about that. Um, but again, like the lines can put some stuff together, but then they just don't have the talent to, uh, to paper over all the mistakes that happened. You know, the, there was a, a fumbled snap. There was a, a Jerry Goff fumble. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's a bit of a mess. So, yeah. Um, so Quintus Cephas, I mean, I, you know, you, you don't love the draft capital. You, you, you know, he made some plays for sure in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. He ran a, you know, kind of famously ran a pretty slow 40 time. Uh, yep. But all that said, you, you love the guys who have a very clear path to significant volume. And Quintus Cephas is kind of through two weeks, clearly the number one wide receiver, seven targets in back-to-back weeks. I mean, he's done something to earn the trust of Jared Goff. He scored a touchdown against Green Bay on their first drive. Something There's something there. Will that be a dynasty asset for you moving forward? you probably bet on that it wouldn't, but it, you know, for re, redraft leagues, I mean, I wouldn't be, wouldn't be opposed to throwing, you know, a couple bucks out on Quintez Cephas. If you have the space, he could, could wind up being a dynasty asset moving forward. But uh, you know, he was a, he was a college playmaker and so, you know, you can't argue with seven targets in back-to-back weeks. We'll see if that materializes week three and, and forward, but it's uh, I, don't, I don't blame you for, for taking him off the taxi just to kind of see what you have. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into some, uh, some actually uh, truly good players. The first little, uh, I got some duos that I want to talk to you about tonight, you know, a couple, uh, you know, player versus player. And the first one that I want to get started with is a guy that you recently traded for uh, Cooper cup versus his teammate, Mr. Robert Woods, you know, Robert Woods was getting a a ton of, you know, off season buzz. Um, I still think he's a very good player. But so far through two weeks, you know, Cooper Cup is the, the wide receiver one in most scoring formats. He's got 21 targets. Uh, that's tied for, I believe, fourth in the league. Uh, Robert Woods has uh, 13. Um, you know, the, the rest of season ranks on Fantasy Pros has Cup in the top 10, you know. Yeah. And, and Woods has dropped to kind of like a low-end wide receiver two. Um, you know, Woods is currently, I think wide receiver 39, uh, in half PPR scoring. So how much of this, and I'm going to ask you this question and then I'm going to chug my beer. You ready for this? Love that. Okay. All right. Love so, that. yep. Uh, so this is for the lines here. Um, how much of this cup Woods split as like clear wide receiver one and low end wide receiver two is just small sample size. Like we haven't seen enough, you know, could regress to the mean. And how much of it is real and people can trust moving forward? You and I go one, two, three. 
All right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think this is this is pretty real. I, I'm I'm all for the Cooper Cup as a wide receiver one bandwagon. We talked about it briefly. Very quick chug, by the way. Well done by you. Um, thank you. Thank yeah, you, sir. Was, thank you very much. Very fast. Very impressive. Um, so, uh, Cooper Cup, I I do think is a wide receiver one. I think his his ceiling is a top five uh, wide receiver. Um, we talked about it a bit on episode one of season two here of the Dynasty 1.01. You know he was wide receiver 26 last year and he caught three touchdowns. That's yeah. ridiculous. You mm-hmm. give him, you know, uh, six more touchdown pass uh, catches rather, and he's going to be a wide receiver one. He's already matched his season total from last year yep. uh, in the touchdown department. So yes, it, you can tell kind of what he's, he's an incredible receiver and now has a very competent quarterback he is going to be very very good um so i'm there i'm i'm ready for it i think cooper cup wide receiver one is happening now robert woods is very good to your point i think there's a clear distinction wide receiver one and wide receiver two but there can absolutely be weeks this year where you see robert woods outpace cooper cup i don't think it'll happen majority of the weeks but i think a few weeks, you know, four weeks this season where, where Robert Woods has a couple touchdowns or out, out targets, out receives Cooper cup. Sure. That could happen. Uh, and I'm actively looking to try to grab Robert Woods where I can in both redraft and dynasty um, again, because of the bump from Matthew Stafford. So hmm. I think there's, there's certainly some fire there to the Cooper cup being uh, just flat out better than Robert Woods, but it's one of the best one, two punch tandems in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I certainly agree with you on that. I mean, to have two receivers receivers of that um, caliber is uh, any team would like that. You know, um, we were just talking about Quintus Cephas as the Lions top receiver. So yeah, I would definitely rather have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods there. Um, and I'd love to have Matthew Stafford back sure. while we're talking about pain. The, sure. the theme of this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, so Cooper Cup moving forward, you said his ceiling was top five. What do you think his floor is? Because we could make another bet. You know, I just finished that beer really quickly. So what do you yeah. think? What, what's the floor? The floor, yeah. So obviously we're, we're, we're taking out injuries from this if he plays a full, yes, a full 17 here. Um, Gosh, his floor, you know, I think he's got a pretty high floor. I, I don't think he finishes outside, uh, nah, not for his floor. I think his floor is probably closer to top 16-ish, uh, mm. you know, something like that. I, I think he's at worst a mid-range wide receiver too. Um, but I think that's, I think top 10 is more likely than than like 16-ish for me. Okay. All right. I, I, see, I, I, I see you I'm hedging there. That. Yeah. Well, I, I see mean, you hedging there. Hey, listen. Top sixteen for him is uh, pro- probably one of his best fantasy finishes of his career. So I think he would take that too. I, I mean, he certainly can't sustain uh, the wide receiver one uh, crazy production that he's had to this point. Um, you know, I think he can get close, but this is sort of some unprecedented territory that he's in right now. So if you want to make a bet on wide receiver one, uh, top ten, top twelve, uh, I'm here for that. But, um, you know, let's see where he's finished. His best finish to date was in 2019. He was wide receiver five in PPR. Right. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's, I think that, you know, that's roughly his ceiling. I don't think he necessarily is the wide receiver one in fantasy. I think top five is is probably about right for him. But uh, yeah, if you want to make a bet, you, you know, you let me know what you're, what you're thinking. 
All right. Well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll kick this around a little bit. Um, so one of the one of the things that Cooper Cup has going for him is targets. He's one of only three receivers with ten or more targets, both in week one and week two. Uh, the other guys, Zach and I were talking about this before the pod. The other two guys are Deontay Johnson, uh, who is a little bit banged up right now, but uh, doesn't look too serious. And then my boy, who Zach was alluding to earlier, a, a bet that I lost, uh, Mike Williams. Tied for third in targets. Again, one of only three guys with double-digit targets in both weeks. He is your wide receiver five right now in half PPR. How much of this is legit, and what is his ceiling and floor? Same question with Cooper Cup for Mike Williams. What is the ceiling? What is the floor? Because I think the floor is wide receiver twenty-four, which yeah. would put him at at you know a wide receiver, a high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two. I think that's the absolute floor for this guy this year. Yeah, I think we're kind of on the same page there. Um, I, I think his ceiling may be a, a bit lower uh, than Cups. I think he's – I would you know, agree with that. Yeah, yeah like that. 12-ish, something like that. I mean, I think he, he could absolutely kind of sneak into a wide receiver one debate. But, um, you know, my, my concern really only lies – and we talked a little bit about this earlier. I mean, there's a lot of mouths to feed – um, out there for the Chargers. There's Jared Cook, who, you know, he's 37 years old or something, but he's still commanding a little bit of the target share there. I think he's somewhere around 20-ish percent. Um, Mike Williams, obviously, we were talking about uh, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. Um, so there's there's some guys out there. I think, you know, Keenan Allen's still the the guy out there, in my opinion, but I think absolutely. This is, this is Mike Williams year. This is his, his year to shine. This is kind of where he fully breaks out. He had that one season, right? Or, or he had a season with a thousand yards. He had another season with double digit touchdowns and yeah. separate years. 10 touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. Separate this, years. Seems, this seems like the year where he kind of puts those both together and has a, a really nice season. And I know he's your boy. So do you feel like his, his ceiling is wide receiver 12 ish, or do you have him a little higher? No, I think that's probably fair. I mean, he's he's wide receiver five right now in half PPR, but he's scored touchdowns in both games. He's not going to score a touchdown in every single game. You know, the the targets give him the floor of a wide receiver two. You know, can he can he make that? You know, eighty yards a game. Can he make that one hundred and twenty uh, in some games? And then when he does score touchdowns, he's going to give you those weeks that look and feel like wide receiver one numbers, you know, like, so he, he has a very good ceiling that he won't reach every week. Um, And if he's going to see, you know, 10 or more targets in most games, then I think he is a locked in wide receiver two um, with just like much more security than we ever thought was possible with this guy. Yeah, no, it's a great late round pick uh, for a lot of folks who who kind of have been looking at him as a, a preseason hype guy and and have been kind of singing his praises for a while. So it, it's nice to see it pay off. Uh, just to give folks an update here on uh, Thursday night football is a, a quick uh, digression. Uh, Sam Darnold just rushed for his second touchdown of the game, uh, one yard rush. Uh, kind of got pushed up the middle by his uh, running backs. Strangely, it's odd to see it. He was stopped at the one and just 
went in. Anyway, um, and Chuba Hubbard actually has looked a little bit better here in the fourth quarter. So, he, you know, he, he, could, he could be okay. Uh, again, I stand by the idea that I don't necessarily want to start him yet, but you, you could throw a waiver claim out on him. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Okay. All right. Before we move on from Mike Williams, I just want to um, ask you a dynasty question about Mike Williams versus Keenan Allen. Uh, because that's kind of the theme here in the, in the second half, you know, player X versus player Y. Would you straight up take Mike Williams over Keenan Allen in Dynasty just due to the age difference? I think you would seriously consider that. Yeah, I think. Wow. It's tough. That's a big it's turnaround. That's a big is. turnaround in value. You know? It is. It's tough. He's got to be one weeks. of the biggest climbers. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But it is, you know, I think if you're a Keenan uh, rostered person i think you, mm-hmm. you probably want to wait a little bit longer just to make sure it's completely real so far we have two weeks of, of elite level production I, I don't know that i would necessarily pull the trigger on that now but keenan allen's 29 years old uh, you know mike allen's no spring chicken or rather mike williams is no spring chicken but you know there's certainly something there's certainly something that's a, there's a chemistry there between mike williams and justin herbert so i would yeah. i wouldn't immediately decline that trade i would think about it okay all right well let's move on a little bit um i'm not sure how much interest this is going to garner in the dynasty landscape but i want to talk about mike davis for versus uh cordell patterson you know what is going on there because mike davis seemed you know locked in as you know a kind of a uh, zero rb you know target guy who was going to soak up a lot of volume in the, the Atlanta offense. And really it's been Patterson who's, who's come out and looked better and more dynamic. And, you know, he had this, this big game this last week with, I, I believe a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown, which has really buoyed his stats. But um, what's uh, what's going on there. And are you interested in either one of these guys in redraft or dynasty? Yeah, no, I'm not really interested in either in either format. Um, I, I think they're 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 kind of risky flex plays right now. I think they're they're somewhat touchdown dependent flex plays. I mean, you saw what Mike Davis does without scoring a touchdown, and it's not pretty. And you see what Cordero yeah. Patterson did with scoring a touchdown or touchdowns, and it's it's great. But beyond that, I mean, if you, they're not going to be these big volume guys that you know give you 100 plus rushing yards and you know six. Uh, receptions for 50 yard. I mean, they may give you a little bit of receiving, uh, you know, love on PPR leagues, but you know, this is, this is kind of a backfield that I'm trying to stay away from. I had some interest in Mike Davis early. I roster him in a redraft league, um, but I'm, I'm a little worried about Cordero Patterson. He looks better. He seems more dynamic. They Mm -hmm. seem to like him there. They use him quite a bit. He's creeping into Mike Davis's workload. The split, I'm not really sure what it's going to look like on any given week. I mean, I think Davis is still technically the guy, but you know, you, you feel you have the butterflies in your stomach. You have the nervous butterflies when you start either one of them. So I, I'm out for sure on redraft and I'm definitely out. You you figure this is a team that's ripe for drafting somebody or bringing in somebody to take the, the lead back role. I mean, this could be a team that's ripe for a teardown at this point. Yeah, they should you know, they be. Have, they have yeah. looked. Atlanta has looked really bad. You know, Matt Ryan has looked abysmal. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really know what else to say about it. You know, I, I was, I was ready to give uh, the Falcons a pass after they got beat down by the Eagles in Week One because Week One is weird. You know, yeah. the Packers got routed. 
you know? So like sometimes you got to throw those things out the window, but it doesn't look at this point like we should throw it out the window with Atlanta uh, or maybe we should throw it out the window, throw the whole, whole, whole team out the window. Yeah. They're, they're just hashtag not good. Um, yeah. They're, they're a bad football team. Uh, they, as far as assets go on the offensive side of the ball, Matt Ryan is old and doesn't seem to be that effective. They have Kyle Pitts, who's going to be great, I'm sure. And they have Calvin Ridley, who's a fantastic receiver. Outside of that, there's not much. I mean, week one, they gave up 32 points to the Eagles. That may We may look back on that and say, yeah, that makes sense. The Eagles are an incredible uh, offense. And then week two, they come out and give 48 points up to the Buccaneers, who we know is a great offense. But yeah. th- there's there's not a lot here that you look at and think this is, this is a franchise on the upswing. Uh, so to your point, this is a team that is going to be rebuilding for the foreseeable future. And there's, there's really not much on this team that I have any interest in outside of those two guys, Ridley and Pitts, in any format. Yeah. Okay. So Mike Davis and Patterson are both RB3s at best, and we're not really interested at this point. Yeah, if you could bench them, bench them. I, I mean, I understand if you need to, running back's a premium position, but it's it's going to be tough out there probably for a little while. All right, well, let's talk about a guy who was meant to be a premium running back this year, but it's turning into more of a timeshare. I want to talk to you about Zeke and Tony Pollard. So people were drafting Zeke in in the first round in both, you know, redraft and in some dynasty startups this offseason. And we've seen Tony Pollard be very effective and, and intriguing on the ground. And we've seen the Cowboys come out and say that they, they like what um, this kind of like dual headed attack brings to their offense. So that that's never something that you want to hear in fantasy. Um, how much do you think that is real? And do you think that Zeke can actually kind of take back the reins in this rushing attack and move Tony Pollard back into the Alexander Madison kind of like t- coveted backup role or is Tony Pollard just going to be a thing moving forward? Yeah, I think Tony Pollard is is a thing. I, I don't know that I would feel comfortable starting him right now, but I think he he I could see situations where you do start him. Um, but Tony I Pollard's RB ten at this point, right? I mean, and he had an insane week last week, so yeah. you know he looked very electric. He looked very fast. He looked very shifty. So mm-hmm. I, you know, it, when you see a guy perform like that, it's very difficult to sit him back down on the bench. So I think there's going to be more Pollard than uh, the folks who roster Zeke would want to see. But I also Mm -hmm. still think that this is Zeke's backfield. I don't think you can, I don't think you can sit a guy like Zeke down for Tony Pollard. You paid, you know, not that you make decisions this way, but you paid Zeke a ton of money to be the guy. And I think he still can be that guy. So I'm certainly as a Zeke roster, you know, person, I, I don't, don't like to see this and I, I think it will continue to a degree, but I still, I, you know, I, I haven't lost hope on Zeke. And in fact, if you want Zeke, this is probably the, the time to go out and get him. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's not going to be as muddled as it was uh, in week two moving forward. Yeah. I, I mean, Pollard did have a huge week, but you know, Zeke was RB eight in week two, you know? So yep. uh, th- these guys can both be very effective. Um, you know, I think the Cowboys are going to be obviously in a lot of shootouts. So yeah, they could, they could easily both be a thing. Um, yeah. So I, I guess uh, we're, we're interested in both these guys 
And uh, Zika's probably taken a little bit of a hit, though, right? You know, and Pollard's definitely climbed. Sure. They're, they're evening out a little bit, but um, no need to panic on either side. Um, all right. So uh, let's move on from those guys. I, I want to talk to you not about two specific players, but about a, an entire position group in one go here. Uh, why is the tight end landscape such crap this year? It really seems down this year. Am I reading that wrong? Like, what, what's your take on tight ends in general this year? Do you, are you interested in anybody outside of the big guys? And do the big guys even include uh, George Kittle at this point? Yeah, uh, so that's kind of the, the the topic du jour uh, for sure after his very, very slow start. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, no, I don't really – I don't really want anybody that's not the top, I don't know, maybe four-ish tight ends. After that, they're all relatively interchangeable. Uh, you know, give me Jared Cook, you know, give me the, the you know, these are guys off my own team. I'm kind of cheating here, but give me the Noah Fants. Um, mm-hmm. Give me the, you know, anybody that's in that kind of later range. Give me the Kyle Pitts. Give me the Logan Thomases. Give me the Tunyons. Those guys are all the same guy to me. That they don't make a difference. It's all the same. But uh, to answer your question, is George Kittle still part of that elite group? I think he is. I think he's. I think he's going to have an absolute week this week against the Packers. Uh, historically, we do not do well in this season. We do not do well against tight ends. Um, so I think George Kittle is going to kind of show us why uh he is considered one of the best tight ends in football and he'll i think he's going to have a really good game so you know if, he, if people are selling him low and, and are concerned after the first couple of weeks I, I would absolutely love to have george kittle on any dynasty redraft the whole bit i don't i just don't see a world where all of a sudden he has become phased out of the offense yeah yeah it, it's kind of interesting to see this the slow start for kittle because we really only have one good receiving threat in San Francisco through two weeks. You know, Brandon Ayuk has been on the shelf, whether it's, you know, the doghouse or the hamstring injury. Um, God, these hamstring injuries, man. Yeah. Just terrible. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's surprising to me that Kittle hasn't been more involved uh, in the first two weeks. And hopefully it's not telling because I, I really do think that he is, you know, just, the same elite talent that you were referring to. Um, and hopefully he can get right against, you know, the Packers uh, who TJ Hawkinson had a, had a right. touchdown against uh, yep. last week. Has he moved into the elite tier for you? Like easily. what's a, yep. Easily, easily. Okay. Yeah, no, he's, he's a top four uh, tight end. I mean, I would, I think the, the interesting conversation is TJ Hawkinson for Kittle straight up in a dynasty league. Well, okay. So let's talk tight ends in dynasty. Like who are your, who are your top tight ends in dynasty at this point? Right. So I think, uh, Darren Waller, Darren Waller, number one. I think so. I don't, you know, I, uh, he's a little younger than, uh, Kelsey. He gets, Mm -hmm. you know, a thousand targets per game. Uh, you know, I think he, to me kind of has to be, I think he's earned the number one spot and then one a or one B I guess would be, uh, Travis Kelsey. Okay. Um, I think, you know, honestly, I think you got to put Hawkinson at three. Um, I think he deserves it. He's young. I think, you know, he's a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. Even with Goff coming in and and a a team of, of misfit toys over there. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. still kind of putting up the numbers that you 
you want to see. So give me him at three. I think you still just kind of out of respect have to put George Kittle at four and, and, you know, with the right to change that uh, if, if he's just completely phased out, but again, at, at what should be his prime on a team that had really no change. Uh, the offensive line is elite. He still has Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you know, I don't see how all of a sudden he could be phased out. So keep him at four there. And then I think you got to go pits at five, just based off of the potential for him. Mm. After that, it's a hodgepodge. After Noah that, you Fant. don't really care, right? Yeah, you don't really, really care, care too much. Yeah. You know, Andrew Noah Fant. Fant. Sure. Yeah. Thomas yep. Goddard. If, yep. if if Ertz ever gets out of there, Goddard is going to be, you know, taking a, a step up those rankings. But yeah, yep. I, I, after that, I don't think you can really, you can't really trust anybody too much. Um, no. Yeah. No. I think I think those uh, those rankings are going to be maybe a little bit surprising for some people. I, I don't know if anybody, um, if too many people are going to have Waller first. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, guy's twenty nine and he's he's almost you know at that Kelsey level. Nobody really is, but you know Kelsey is is thirty one at this point. Um, yeah, I think and, they're interchangeable. Honestly, I mean, you have Kelsey with the with the best quarterback in in the NFL, right? Like uh, from an NFL perspective, the best. And he's he's so important to their offense. You he know? is. He but is. then and again, so is, so is Waller. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank so you. it's it's yeah. it's kind of a it's a six to one type of situation there. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you're, you're good no matter how you if you have any of those top four or five guys, you know, you're you're pretty set for a little while and yeah. You kind of just sit back and relax. But if you have any of those other, uh, you know, uh, you know, tight end six through 32, I think Mm -hmm. you just, uh, my philosophy would be to just kind of trade down, uh, you know, trade your, your tight end seven for tight end 12 and add Mm. something onto it, get a pick, get something. uh, Are you doing that? Are you doing that with a guy like Noah Fant? That's yeah, good. I, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, okay. I am, I, well, I am in redraft, um, actively doing that right now. But in Dynasty, I, you know, I like Noah Fant, but I'll tell you mm-hmm. who I really like. I really like Albert O, you know, insert last name here. Um, <laughs> good skip I, there. <laughs> yeah, I think, he, I, think he, uh, I think he has all the ingredients to be a very elite tight end uh, in the NFL. Certainly mm-hmm. a little bit blocked, of course, by Noah Fant, but – I think he has the speed. I think he yep. has the hands. I think he, he, I think he could be like the total package. If you give him a year or two, uh, he's a guy that I'm actively trying to add to uh, fantasy rosters. So, yeah, I mean, I think, listen, Noah Fant has a very bright future in this league. I think he could be a top 10 tight end for a very long time. Um, but I think, again, those tight ends 7 through 15 – there's not going to be a, a tremendous difference. So I'm, yeah, if I have Fant, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll trade Fant, you know, and give me Goddard and a pick, give me uh, Tunyon and a pick, give me uh, maybe not Jared Cook because he's old, but, mm-hmm. you know, any of those types of guys in a pick. I'll, I'll, sure, give me Higby and a pick. I'll take that yeah. all day. No problem with that. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess I don't really have a problem with that. I think some of the, the guys who drafted Kyle Pitts in their uh, rookie drafts this off season uh, might be a little bit miffed that you put TJ Hawkinson above him, but I think you're probably right about that. You know, I think, it, I think it's right for now. I mean, we'll see, right. I mean, I might be eating my, this may be the next, we might have 15 years of Kelsey like production from Pitts, and I'll look like an idiot, but I think. Well, we've never had 15 it. years of, of Kelsey level True. production from anybody, you know, that, that player would be the Tom Brady of skill position players. And maybe know? that'll be, maybe that'll be Kyle Pitts, but I think you can't Thoughts. argue yeah. with the production that Hawkinson has put up so far. And I think this is who he right. is. I mean, this if, is, if, 
if Atlanta goes into next season and they say, okay, let's get rid of Calvin Ridley and we're going to, you know, build this offense around Kyle Pitts, much the same that the Lions have done uh, with just absolutely gutting their wide receiver group and bringing in nobody of, of real consequence, um, then, yeah, they, they could be talked about in the same breath. That's that's absolutely for sure. Um all right, so uh, let's move on from tight ends. Uh, that, that's a pretty good discussion that we had there. Um, I want to talk to you about the weird-ass taunting penalties uh, this week. They were just everywhere. I mean, guys doing things that you see so normally in an NFL game, just right. getting a flag thrown. And, and this whole thing about the official has to be like, this is the first uh, offense in this category for this player. If they get another one, they're out of here. It's like that. Right. Come on guys. It's bad. It's, I mean, just the, Isn't it dumb? it's really dumb. It takes away from the, the joy of the game. I mean, this is, it's the no fun league. And you know that when baseball is out taunting and out enjoying themselves Mm. than football that there's a problem and i'm a big baseball guy but in now in baseball guys are throwing their bat into the stratosphere guys are you know uh, showing up the pitcher on home runs and god only knows if you tried to do any of that in the nfl it'd be a 15 yard penalty yeah at some point you have to let them play this is a physical sport these are grown men that get passionate about what they're doing you have to let them express their emotions and and it makes it more fun for the players it makes it more fun for the fans and restricting that stuff just feels it feels like you're hamstringing the league a little bit you know what what's the dumbest one the absolute dumbest one that i saw was a a defensive back broke up a pass and then stood up and did the incomplete sign like over the receiver sure but like that is the actual kind of legal sign that says this is an incomplete pass right that's what the official is about to do that's what they should be doing at this point like the players just doing the same exact thing as the official it's so stupid it feels very it it feels very subjective it feels like it's you know it, it just if the referee just kind of feels like you looked a certain way that you 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 get a penalty and it's, it's, it's not, it's not a good look. And I think that's something that they'll, they've made it a point of emphasis this year. They'll, they'll, they should correct. There's been enough pushback that they should correct that uh, next season. I'd be shocked if they didn't. Yeah. Well, we need to keep this pushback going. I know that uh, Roger Goodell listens to this pod, you know, he's subscriber number one. So, right. Yeah. He's a big booster of the dynasty 1.01. So on Raj, let's go. Yeah. We'll go down to the basement, have a little chat. Uh Uh-huh. Yep, just you know, some constructive criticism here, dude. That's it. Yeah, he'll he'll get it. We'll be fine. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to wrap up soon, but I wanna I wanna talk to you about one uh, player and maybe tie in another guy here. How legit is this Derek Carr start? He's leading the league in uh, in I believe attempts. I know it's uh, uh, passing yards. How much are we supposed to believe in this? I mean, the Raiders are 2-0. and They've looked pretty good. Um, he's a little bit banged up this week, but it, it looks like he's trending towards playing. Are you buying this at all? Because, like, Derek Carr was one of those quarterbacks, even in a Dynasty Superflex League, you could get for not too much, you know? Should we be, should we be trying to buy before the price escalates even further, or do you think he's going to come crashing down a little bit? What's your take? 
Yeah, I think he'll probably come down a little bit. Um, again, you have one of the best tight ends in football as as your safety blanket. That's always going to help. Yeah, nineteen um, targets in the first the first game. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and I mean, Carr threw fifty six times in week one for four hundred and thirty five yards. So mm. that started him off on a really nice foot uh, for this season. So I think. Listen, he's a very, I think he's a good quarterback. And, you know, at fantasy, you would prefer that he adds a little bit with his legs, which he does not. Um, but I think, again, you have decent receivers. You have a very good deep threat with Henry Ruggs. You know, he may not be living up to what we had hoped he'd be, but he's, a, he's kind of the Deshaun Jackson deep threat um, type of, of take the top off the defense type of player. You have Brian Edwards who, you know, seems like he could be a good – good wide receiver but so far as you know hit and miss uh then you have darren waller and you have some decent running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield and uh with Kenyon drake um so i you know i think he's got weapons i think his weapons are maybe better than uh you know the fantasy community gives them credit for and he knows the offense he's been there long enough uh i think he's i think he's more legit than not legit yeah okay so I just pulled up some uh, some dynasty rankings, courtesy of our friends at uh, Dynasty League Football. Um, they have Derek Carr ranked as quarterback twenty eight, but behind guys like Jameis Winston, Sam Darnold, Matt Ryan, who we just talked about, Daniel Jones, Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, Kirk Cousins. Is there anybody in that that? list of names that I read off that who you're like, Oh, I definitely want that guy more than Derek Carr. I mean, definitely want that guy more than Derek Carr. No. Um, Mm, You could, you could make the case, I guess, for like a Daniel Jones, you could make the case, I guess, for maybe a Kirk cousins Um, without sounding foolish. I mean, maybe you could even make the case for a Tom Brady because God knows how many more years he's going to play. Um, you know, if Tom Brady plays even three more years, you could certainly make the case for that. If this is his last year, obviously that's a different story. Mm -hmm. So there's some risk there, but you know, everybody else that you mentioned, I mean, I would definitely prefer him to Jameis. I would uh, definitely prefer him to Wentz, you know I mean? Uh, Yeah. I I think that's a bit low for Derek Carr. Well, I mean, if Sam Darnold is going to rush it in every time, then I think you got to add him to the list, but yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones is, uh, so far so good. Uh, through uh, two games this year, uh, at least from, you know, he didn't lose them the game. Uh, last week we were talking about uh, the Giants versus the football team, and it wasn't Daniel Jones that cost them that game. So uh, my biggest thing about those young quarterbacks is that they, you, you got to get them to the, the, to the second contract because at, at least then you lock in some long-term value. Uh, so I think that uh, both, you know, Sam Darnold and um, – and Daniel Jones have done enough through two weeks to make you think, okay, maybe these teams will give them another deal. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you a little bit on Derek Carr. I think he has looked really good, you know, getting hit and kind of coming out of the game and then throwing that bomb to rugs to win. Uh, you know, that was, that was very nice. And uh, if I hadn't, you know, made a couple trades in, in some redraft leagues this, this week, I might be looking to pick up Derek Carr. So. Yeah, he's he's one of the more disrespected quarterbacks in in fantasy and maybe even in <clears throat> regular NFL games. Um, and just to your point, I mean, Sam Darnold tonight, twenty five point two six fantasy points, three hundred and four passing yards, uh, mm-hmm. two rushing touchdowns, no passing touchdowns, but 
I mean, he's yeah, Sam Darnold is has really kind of found new life in in Carolina. It's it's really nice to see for him because he's another much maligned quarterback that I think is kind of in in that same uh, vein of players. You know, the Daniel Jones, the Sam Darnold, the Derek Carr. So, you know, we'll kind of see. Hopefully, they can keep this up the rest of the way because we may be pushing these guys up quite a bit in our uh, in our dynasty rankings towards the end of the season. Yeah. Um, well, Zach's got Zach's, Zach's to hop off here, so we will wrap up the podcast. But I, I just want to touch on one thing before we do. It's the importance of using tiers instead of rankings, you know, especially uh, for Dynasty. Like, we just listed off a ton of names, and Derek Carr is with those guys. You know, you might see a guy like, you know, Kirk Cousins all the way up at, in rankings as QB 21 and Derek Carr as QB 28 and get really scared off on that. You know, if you're thinking about them in the same tier, you know, that is a way to, you know, to pick up value. If, if you don't, if you have a Kirk Cousins and you're moving back to a Derek Carr, you're getting three years younger that at that position and you could pick up something else. I, you know, start thinking about things a little bit differently in fantasy. That's just what I'm trying to implore of you today. Um, Zach, anything else before we leave the people? No, I mean, let's, let's hope, uh, let's hope Christian McCaffrey gets well soon. And, oh. uh, you know, Chuba yes. Hubbard actually finished the night. He had a, he had a really nice uh, second half. So, I mean, I, you know, I'd like to maybe just kind of hedge a little bit on my earlier statement. I think he such is a hedger. A You're such a hedger. I, I, bro. I am, I am, I'm Sonic the Hedgehog here. I think he, I, you know, he's a guy in redraft who, you know, he's a starting running back. Like I said before, I could see throwing a little bit of, uh, of fab on him just to pay. I mean, I think watch for, you know, fortunately this is an early game. So hopefully we'll have some information before yeah, that's true. fab comes out and you mm-hmm. can kind of get a sense for where Christian McCaffrey's at. If he's out for three games, four games, five games, something like that. I think he, I think uh, Chuba Hubbard is worth, you know, but we'll see. We can talk more about it, but maybe 20% of your fab or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, starting running backs don't come around all the time. So, well, you know, I think yeah. that's important just to kind of leave folks with, but uh, stay tuned, listen to the updates on Christian McCaffrey. Hopefully he's okay. And, uh, that's all I got for today. All right, fans, ladies and gentlemen, take care of those hamstrings. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.